0: Before we begin, I'd like to start in a word of prayer. Um, dear God, thank you for um, all of the, the nice things that we've been able to have this morning, the rising sun, the beautiful temperature, and the uh, freedom to worship as we please and not have to hide underneath ground and um, running away from people. And uh, thank you for all the blessings we've been given, and I uh, hope that you can remember, and hope that we can remember to um, keep, your, keep your grace in mind today and as we go throughout um, the day and just to, uh, bring your word to others as we see them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, I'd like to begin today by asking you guys if you've ever had a challenge in your life that's seemed like it's almost insurmountable in a way. Like, you can't quite go past it, and you might be thinking, this is way bigger than me. You know, a family member might have just passed away or you have a gigantic medical bill you might not be able to pay. And these just seem like slaps on the face to our ordinary reality. You know, how can we ever overcome this? It might come as an extreme shock to us. But, you know, this is uh, kind of the audience that James was writing to because my scripture today is coming from uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. And if we could just read through that real quickly, it says in the ESV, Counted count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and that steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one that doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed in the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, this is written by James to an audience who, like we said before, is facing trials that they never really thought they might before and are kind of in disarray as a result. You know, um, it says in James chapter 1, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. I mean, these people, it may not seem like it in the passage, but they've been scattered. The church seems like it might be falling apart to them in their time. You know, they're facing tremendous persecution everywhere. It seems like they might be falling apart at any moment. And James is just saying, calm down. This might be used for something better than you might see in the moment. I mean, God's magnificent plan is not going to be thwarted by men's actions. And he's saying that it's it's not looking as bleak as it may in the beginning for God's people. And um, so at that point, we arrive at James chapter 1. And today we are going to be, as I said, focusing on the verses 2 through 8. So in context, it's still relevant today, I mean, and still helpful in our culture. An email saying, you know, it's like a pink slip equivalent, you're not who we're looking for or we're downsizing and you're the first to go. Things like this may seem monumental for us today and may not be as, as quite physical as the persecution that we're faced by the, by the time that the people that James were writing to, but it's still a life-changing circumstance that we might not be originally expecting. An important distinction that we should also make before continuing further in the passage is to note the difference between a trial and a temptation. You see, a trial is kind of like a... a um used by God to further your relationship through him through what you're facing and it's not meant to make you walk further and temptations are used by the devil to make us kind of split from God further than we'd want to and without us even realizing it and falling into our sinful desires that's that's kind of kind of the difference between a trial and a temptation where a temptation is a life circumstance where a temptation is is more of a a split a factor that the devil can use, like a desire or lust that can make us kind of have a rift or ruin our relationship with God in a way. And it's not to say that that, um, God can't use temptations as a way of leaning on him and saying, this desire is bigger than I can handle. But in context for this part of the passage, um, James is more talking about trials, about the life circumstances rather than the temptations. So, um, thus being said, we have a little four little points today. Um, the, my title and my message is "Grow, don't groan," and it's uh, a way of looking at these trials as instead of saying, "God, why is this happening to me?" But as more of a way of saying, "God, how can I how can I grow as a result of this?" And as you'll see, um, my points "grow" stand for G R O W, and I'll elaborate more on that as we go through the message. And um, just wanted to start a little bit today by giving a little example of what we might view our problems like today. So here's like a little, a little booklet that might represent all the paper problems that we can have in our life, you know, like a firing, a, a medical bill, things we aren't expecting in our life. And sometimes we might look at God as the great magician with a giant sheet that he waves over our problems, says a few magic words, and then alakazam, and you know, you guys may be thinking, wow, he's an awful magician. <laughs> I would never invite him to my kids' parties, but, you know, (laughs) that's kind of the point, is we look at God and say, why isn't our problem gone? I I prayed, God, help me out, amen, or God, please help me out, amen, and we figure just a small prayer like that will say, oh, our problem is gone, but... Sometimes that's not the way it works. And sometimes the problem what we see here can be used in a different way. And so I would challenge you after today to not look at these problems as, why are they still there, like you might with uh, my disappointing magic trick, (laughs) but to look at them more as, uh, wow, I guess I didn't see my relationship with God that way. Um, So as we start, I'd like to um, challenge you for the first point, um, which is the G, which stands for giving in. You might think, what, why, why would I want to give in to a problem? I mean, I, I thought the, the um, context was to be able to overcome it. I mean, why would I, ever, why would I ever want to give in instead of overcome? But really, we can see that it's kind of something that's bigger than we can handle. You might want to step back for a moment and say, this is bigger than me. I mean, um, this, this is the, the first part to humbling ourselves to where God can work in our lives. I mean, you can see trials throughout the passage. I mean, James chapter 2, count it pure joy. Why are we supposed to count something pure joy if it's something that we can't even overcome? I mean, that seems to count it pure hopelessness. (laughs) But it's not. And it's kind of a a way of showing that, you know, there's something greater to come out of this. You know, um, and it's even shown throughout other parts of James as something that we should, that God will give us wisdom to overcome in verse 5, and uh, something, and and with context like that, we should see it as something that's more of a joy than not a joy, to give in to the problems. And in a little Old Testament character you might know called Pharaoh, also was faced with some trials, as you might know, um, the 10 plagues in Exodus 7, and he responded in a way Sort of like we might have in a situation, you know, with pride. I, I am a God. Why would I ever have to listen to this Hebrew guy coming over here and tell me to let his people go? I mean, look at me. I am the descendant of the sun god Ra. I mean, he, his pride is kind of what started his downfall. And he, he, he just couldn't quite give in to the problem. He refused to recognize that it was bigger than him. And that was one of his first mistakes. And he might have been an unbeliever facing God's wrath for for harboring God's people, but he still kind of models the same reactions that we might have had in the same circumstances. And, and his harding, hardening of his heart at first was from his own actions, not from, not from God saying, okay, I'm going to force him to say no. God just gave him the circumstances that he didn't give in from. And it's, it's kind of an important reminder for us to, to give in and step back a little bit. The, the second point that I'd like to introduce is readjusting your mindset, which is the R. I think you can see where this is going. But anyway, um, as you can see in James chapter 1, verse 2, it's important for us to see trials as a way to mature from and not something to get out of. Again, we might be Christians from our birth, and we might be thinking, OK, I know God will help me with my problem. I don't have to rely on myself. God, help me out. Thanks. And I mean, even if we are relying on God we still might be looking at it the wrong kind of way and be thinking, okay, I can pray to God, get me out of the situation, and I'll be good. But maybe the situation is there for a reason. Maybe you're supposed to learn how to connect with unbelievers on a different level through the passing of a loved one. I mean, maybe it's not something to make your life miserable, but something for you to think about and something for you to, to gain in your relationship with God to say, wow, I really couldn't have done that on my own. Oh, thanks, God. And when we look at it like that and readjust our mindset and come at it from a different angle, it's a whole lot easier to see these trials as something like, instead of, God, why are you putting me through this? But as, God, thanks for helping me see you in a greater light. Or, thank you for helping me connect with others in a way that I would never have been able to before. And a great way that I like to think about this is um, if any of you have been in a museum when you were a kid, you know, we live close to D.C., my my parents and my family, and so we'd go there often um, to visit the museums. I I really love the the museums with the dinosaur bones and things like that. I was uh, one of those kids. (laughs) But anyway, we would go there. And uh, for the first fifteen minutes, I would think it's completely awesome, to, you know, see the dinosaur bones. But after that, I kind of got bored with it. I, I wanted to play video games, go back to more important things. <laughs> and so, my, my parents, being the people they are, like to slowly meander through the hallways, you know, looking at all the all the exhibits and things like that. And I would be thinking, can we go, please? And it didn't really work out that way because uh, they had the car. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> and so. In situations like that, the only mindset I had was, get me out of here. And I didn't even think of all the learning benefits that were in front of me at that point. And now I think back of that, and I realize, wow, if, if I had paid more attention to what's around me and thought more about what I could learn from this rather than when can I get out of this, I might be a bit better off in my knowledge bank. And now, when I go back to museums now, my friends are the ones that uh, try to pull me away from the hours of exhibit walking. <laughs> and even, yeah. Anyway, I just think it's an interesting, uh, interesting illustration that might model how we, how we feel about our problems and how we relate towards God in that way. So let's do a quick review before we go on. It's a pretty simple one so far. But what does the G stand for? Given. And, and the R? readjust your mindset. There we go, 100%. <laughs> Doing good so far. Anyway, um, the, the next point I'd like to bring up is that we should open up to God. And um, He can solve the problem if you just give Him room to work. If you don't humble yourself, like I said before, and, and let your pride, remove yourself from your pride, God doesn't have a lot of room to work in your life. It's not like He can't. It's not like He can't force you to, to go aside while He deals with your problem. But it's his in his grace that he allows us to step down, and he allows us to let him into your life, and that is the grace that is so profound, and it's kind of missing in other cultures, in other religions. It's is something that that God does to make it more personal with us in His life, and that not not only force you to step aside, but a way for you to acknowledge His presence in your life. And again, good old Pharaoh showing us showing us the um, the. Consequences of refusing to do this yet again, He even if he was to give into the problem like he did before, uh, letting the, the Israelites go before changing his mind, I mean, God would have let him go at that. He would have stopped the plagues. But Pharaoh decided not to open up to God. Pharaoh decided to open up to his magicians and say, I am greater. I have to overcome this. Because he had a lot on the line, if you think about it. His reputation, his kingdom, I mean, his firstborn son, as you know, that didn't go too well as well. I mean, his, his gods, I mean, everything was completely disgraced after the plagues. People saw that he wasn't in charge. People saw that his gods couldn't go anywhere close to overcoming any of the plagues. People saw that, I mean, his kingdom was demolished by the locusts and by the hail and the the cattle dying and all this stuff. And it just just really showed Pharaoh, who's boss, (laughs) in a kind of way. And, And Pharaoh's lack of being able to open up to a higher power and being able to step out of his pride is really one of the major things that, that cost him in the long run. And you might be thinking at this point, well, what if I can't? I mean, this this problem, do you see this, God? I've never had to go through this before. But, you see, God won't just let you rot in your problems. He's not the kind of person that would just look at someone falling on their face on YouTube and start laughing and replaying it over and over again, as I might have done before. <laughs> no. But he's the kind of person that that or kind of figure that would more than welcome to help you out, he's, he's looking for you to just give up for a moment and look to him instead of looking at your own feet and stumbling along the way. And it's just it's something like this that, that makes it a really incredible relationship that we can have with our Creator. And it's just something that I, I stop and realize every once in a while and it just makes our challenges all the more, more easy to overcome in the long run, to think the all Powerful Creator of the entire universe is is saying that He's going to give me wisdom and He's going to help me through this. It, it's just phenomenal to me. Well, anyway, uh, the the next point that I would have to say is to wait for your steadfastness. I mean, you might be thinking, okay, I've I prayed to God, I've opened up, I've humbled myself. Okay, so what's the problem here, God? Why can't you why can't you relieve me of my problem? I mean, I, I think I have the right mindset, but. I mean, sometimes we forget this that the, the problem that's supposed to be solved is on God's terms, really, and not yours. We might be thinking of our oh-so-famous human timetable, an American mindset of "gotta have it done now," "gotta have my problems removed." I prayed now, what? But I mean, you ca- you kind of have to stop and realize that patience is also a key here. I mean, you can't just. You can't just expect God to work for you. Otherwise, who is the God in that relationship if he has to cater to your timetable? And it's just another important stepping back and realizing I'm not in control of this all. And that, that forcing you to wait a little bit and forcing you to see that you're not in control is sometimes key, sometimes key in, in helping us understand just how great he is and how much we should let, let him deal with the problem a little bit in our lives. Another thing that we have to see is the importance of confidence, as it's shown at least in James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, um, which which, um, reads, Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. See, um, if we ask for God and then say, okay, if God doesn't um, if God doesn't answer my prayer I'm going to have this backup list And here's one, two, and three of what I'm going to do And I'm just going to have all these backup plans In case God doesn't come through If we have that kind of mindset towards our problems Then it's almost saying that we shouldn't even pray at all I mean, he's an unstable man He's not going to um, receive anything from God It's a way of saying if, if you can't trust God to deal with your problems Then he, he's going to wait for you to realize that And he's gonna he's not going to just deliver you from your problem without, without you so much as relying on him for help. And when you realize that it's on God's terms for this for this um, problem to be solved, it, it helps you readjust again and reevaluate your situation. There's uh, countless examples, but in the interest of time, again, I would just point to one of the most significant, um, at least to me, um, re- um, Portraits of this in the Old Testament, which would be the Israelites who, um, by doubting and by not trusting the reports of the spies they send out into the promised land, had to wait an entire 40 years in the wilderness um, just as, as a result of their unbelief of God's actions. You know, two people said, we can take him. But they listened to the ten that were doubting, the ten spies when you um, remember going into to uh, visit the Promised Land and seeing the inhabitants that were already there. And they were so afraid of what was there without even looking to God as to the old powerful creator of it all that they, they kind of realized that they, they forgot that God was in control and they, they forgot that he's on their side. And as a result, that they're doubting and they're double planning and all that stuff, it, they face the consequences of it. And again, it's it's another another little reminder for us to to keep this all keep keep it all in the big picture and and remember that we're not the ones that are that are supposed to be in control of everything. God is allowing us to rely on Him, and it's a, it's a pretty incredible relationship, as I said before. So, what can we gain from all of this? I mean, um, you're supposed to remember to grow, to give in, readjust your mindset, open up to God, and wait for the. For the patience and for the steadfastness and the maturity that comes as a result of dealing of him dealing with your problems and you know maybe it might not be in the way you expect you're, you're, he might not bring your loved one back from the dead, but he can help you. Keep, um, have peace through it all and help you maybe connect with someone else who's also lost a loved one and doesn't have the relying stable grace of the Savior of Jesus Christ to rely on as well. You know, an unbeliever friend who thinks, how can you possibly be calm through this? How can you possibly be smiling and laughing when when your wife just passed away the other day? And I mean, it might not be that quickly, but... they they might be able to see, and you might be able to have a chance to interact with them a little bit as a result of this loss. And it's a pretty incredible thing that that we've been able to do. (laughs) Um, We can just notice that God's timing does produce valuable traits. The patience we develop in life is also obviously useful in other areas. And we can remember that He's not just going to let us rot. He, it's, and if we can trust Him in the smaller problems, and the bigger problems of our life, it'll be even easier to rely on Him. It's not going to be a breeze. I mean, we obviously have our human shortcomings. But if we can remember to trust God in the smaller problems of our life, it'll be a lot easier for us when we, when we face bigger trials and, and, and bigger things that we might at first think we can't overcome. And also to remember not to only focus on the positive aspects of trusting God, but the negative ones that come from not trusting him as well, you know, relying on pride and having the downfall of that and, and um, making our own plans, expecting, okay, what if God doesn't deliver? Because really, <laughs> God will deliver. That that sentence shouldn't even, shouldn't even compute. I mean, God, God's not just going to, again, leave you to be. He says that he's going to be there for you. And um, all of this should just be taken to remember that trials aren't always a bad thing. I mean, it may look like that at first, but if we can just remember who, who we are serving, the ultimate creator of the universe, I mean, maybe, maybe it's not so bad after all. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you again for everything you've done for us, and even for the trials. We might not thank you at first, but if we look at it a different way, to remember to humble ourselves and to not give in to our own pride and our own demands, but remember that you are the one that's in control, and you are all-powerful. Help us to remember this and to think that, you know, maybe we can gain something from this. And I pray that in this mindset, you know, you'll help us to rely on you more and to remember the grace that you show us every day. In Jesus' name, amen.